0: from AM 1460 WVOX
1: 1460
2: WVOX to College Hoops Chat. I'm Jim Maysano, your host, here at WVOX, 1460 AM. We're here every Monday night from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock at this great community radio station, WVOX in New Rochelle. We thank them for letting us have uh, this show. We really do appreciate it. So we have two guests tonight. Excited about the show. We have eight fifteen Pat Kennedy, our 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 guest every other week. We appreciate the former coach of Iona and uh also uh many other schools, including uh Florida State and DePaul. As a matter of fact, Chuck, we have to call Pat. Uh so let me so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my phone up for you. Hopefully you can find it on my phone, uh, to call Pat Kennedy in the contacts. So Chuck is coming in to get my phone to find Pat Kennedy in the phone. All right. And so we can call him at 815. OK. All right. So this was a difficult show to prepare for uh, because uh, with the Omicron situation going on with COVID, games are getting canceled all over the place. And it's very, very frustrating uh, for to be a fan right now and see so many teams uh, not being able to play their games. Uh, just so you know, tomorrow, nine games were canceled in college basketball. Uh, Wednesday, 12 games were canceled in college basketball. This Thursday coming up, nine games canceled. That means Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week, 30 games, Division One games were canceled across college basketball. This is uh, causing havoc with the scheduling for schools. It's going to be very difficult to reschedule these games that were canceled. It means schools are going to have to play three games a week. Let's take a look at it as an example. Our hometown Iona. They've only had one game since December 12th. That was the Delaware game, which we're going to talk about briefly. Their next scheduled game is this Friday, December 31st at 1 p.m. versus Siena. Is that game going to happen? We hope so, but we're not sure. Um, so... It's, 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 uh, it's difficult because they lost the Seton Hall game, right? That was a game uh, everybody was so excited about, right? Because if Iona could beat Seton Hall, that would have been a great piece of their resume for the NCAA tournament. But they never got to play the game. Uh, it's unclear since the non-conference game whether they'll ever be able to reschedule that game with Seton Hall. I, I would think it's counted doubtful. Let's go to another school that we cover here in the show, another local school, St. John's Red Storm. They've had no games since 12-18, okay? They had four games canceled already. December 20th versus Seton Hall, December 23rd versus Butler, December 29th versus Marquette, and December 1st versus Georgetown, right? So those are four conference games that were canceled, uh, two that were supposed to have already been played, two games coming up. All those games are going to have to be made up. They're conference games, which means... It's going to lead St. John's to play in three games a week at certain parts of the season. So it's very difficult. The big problem, folks, is why all these games are getting canceled, is that the conferences, all of these Division One college basketball conferences, like the MAC for Iona, like the Big East for St. John's, they're relying on old protocols uh, relating to positive tests uh, on COVID. So we're not going to get into any kind of political debate here, folks, but... Bottom line is the CDC uh, has recently changed their protocols, and the conferences need to update their rules uh, based on the updated science coming from CDC. So um, let me give you an example quickly. Justin Champinney, the great player for St. John's, he was vaccinated, asymptomatic, and was told he had to sit out 10 days. Uh, which is part of the problem with St. John's. They have a bunch of guys like him. But vaccinated, asymptomatic, and uh, now I don't know for sure, but I hear that he actually has a negative test due. There's no reason he's got to wait 10 days, right? Uh, Even the CDC says that. But the conferences still have the old rules in place. As a matter of fact, uh, today, the CDC shortened by half the isolation period for people who test positive for the virus saying that just five days after their positive test results, those with symptoms could safely resume mixing with others. Uh, This replaces the previous guidance that was uh, infected patients have to isolate for 10 days. So CDC cites growing evidence the virus is more, more contagious in two days before you get it and three days after. That's why they switched from 10 days to five days. So that's the point, folks, right? The CDC is now saying you got to wait five days before you get back out in the world. But college basketball has old protocols of 10 days. That's why all the games are getting canceled. But here is good news. The ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, they didn't mess around. Shout out to them. Uh, They announced today, right after the CDC released their report, uh, that it added two more options to the league's medical advisory group report to reduce isolation for vaccinated individuals. So going forward immediately for the Atlantic Coast Conference, and I imagine this is going to happen in the next coming days at conferences all over the country, or we're not going to be able to play a lot of games this season with the current protocols and the way Omicron spreads so fast. So here's the new rules, which I think are probably going to be adopted all over the country. A vaccinated individual who tests positive for COVID-19 may complete isolation when one of the following occurs if permitted by local and state public officials. Uh, number one, once asymptomatic, the individual has two negative tests from specimens that are collected at least 24 hours apart. port. Just like the NFL, folks. Just like the NFL. Uh, and they have one other way you can get on the court earlier than 10 days, which was the old rules. At least seven days have elapsed since the first positive test. Uh, the individual's symptoms are improving and the individual has one negative test. So uh, there you go, folks. I think there's going to be really big change in the days to come in college basketball. They're going to change these protocols, which is basically, to some degree, going to save the sport for now because games are getting canceled all over the place. Um, And last week, too. So um, they're never going to be able to play all the games on everybody's schedule based on these current protocols of once you get it, you have to wait 10 days. So we'll see. I'm optimistic, folks, uh, that big changes are going to happen. Chuck, do we have our guest? We do. All right. So that's my, you know, I hate to have to talk about COVID, but it's a huge factor in the sport right now because so many games have been canceled last week and this week. So hopefully these changes that the ACC sparked today are going to happen all over the college basketball scene. So let's go to the phone line for uh, Coach Pat Kennedy. Pat, are you there?
0: Yes, great to be here.
2: Great. So, unfortunately, Pat, normally I would have spent the last 10 minutes opening the show before we chat with you, talking about some great (laughs) college basketball. Unfortunately, Pat, I had to talk a little bit about what's going on with COVID since we've lost so many games in the last couple of weeks. So, I'm sure you're watching all this as well. Uh, You can imagine how difficult it is to be a coach when you don't know how many players you're going to have that are ready to play, whether you have enough guys to play a game, the, looking at this, what do you think this would be like as a coach dealing with these COVID shutdowns with this new variant, the Omicron, which is spreading across our society?
0: Well, it, it's absolutely completely unique. Um, I was a Division One head coach for 32 years, uh, never once or anything like this. Because there's a number of factors. Number one. What guys on your team may you not have? So how are you going to replace those guys as you move forward? Number two, who is the other team going to have? Who are they not going to have? How do you set up your uh, scattering ports uh, accordingly? And then, basically, if a, if a game is canceled and or a game of forfeit. And so what we're going to see, which is going to be interesting, is going to be you know the bracketology uh, that we see and that we've seen over the last few years is going to be kind of important coming down the stretch because the big thing is going to be who is going to end up being in these different slots uh, to be in the NCAA tournament. So like I look at uh, like Iona, Uh, if they don't win their leg, it always makes it difficult. They do win a leg. Great. If they're on the cusp, I think they got a great shot because they've had a great start. And the win over Delaware by 10 points was a terrific win for them. So, there's just, a, there's just a lot of adversity going into what will be the term. By the way, there will be a Final Four. It will be in New Orleans. There will be an NCAA tournament. Uh, believe me, the NCAA, the NABC, and the coaches are all committed to that. So we're going to have about five or six weeks of just goofy stuff in terms of games being canceled.
2: Right. So I don't know if you're able to hear, Pat, uh, at the beginning of the show, but so one conference took immediate action today when the CDC changed the rules. You don't have to sit out 10 days, not just for basketball, but any worker in America. If they get a positive test, the, the old protocol was you're supposed to sit home for 10 days. They changed it to five today. So already uh, the ACC made changes to their rules. I imagine that's going to spread across college basketball conferences in the coming days. So at least uh, players aren't going to have to sit out 10 days only five days. They can also uh, get two negative tests in 24 hours. They can get back to their team, back in the games. So hopefully we won't have as many canceled games, Pat.
0: Yeah, and, and again, and the the big thing again is how can we keep the games that we had scheduled in place? So whether it's Iona and Siena, whether it's St. John's and DePaul, whatever the case may be, how can we keep the games that have been scheduled in place? That's going to be a big thing. And then if they can't over a period of time, how do we reschedule? Or how do we just keep our mindset forward, getting ready for the next game? So, I, again, what, what what I'm saying to you at the end of it all, I, I don't think, you know, come early February, I think things will be fine. They'll be settled down, and we're moving towards what will be, uh, the, you know, the the brackets for the NCAA tournament. So I think by February, the NCAA tournament's is going to be fine, quite frankly.
2: I agree. So let me give you another kind of coach's perspective question. So look at St. John's their last game, which was not a good outing for them. They lost to Pitt at the garden. The same day Iona's game was canceled against Seton Hall. Uh, they had a bad game against Pitt. They didn't play well and lost. Now they didn't get to play again. It looks like for three full weeks as a coach, what do you think that's like trying to hold your team together for three weeks? Uh, after a bad loss, you're dying to probably get back on the court to redeem yourself. Now St. John's probably sits for about three weeks. No, it's,
0: it's, it's really difficult. You've got to figure out what are we going to do in, in, our, in our practice schedule? Are we going to do more weightlifting, more shooting, more individual instruction? Are we going to do more scrimmaging? Should we bring in some referees just to, uh, to referee our scrimmages? And at the same time, how can we keep our guys up about the fact of making the NCAA tournament? I mean, St. John's, you know, the Big East is interesting because they're going to have six or seven teams make it. But right now, like the default team that's 9-1 over the years have started well, and then they lose eight of the next ten in the, in, the eight, in, the, in the Big East, and all of a sudden they're out of it. So, again, like I said, the next three or four weeks are going to be crucial in terms of the games you do get to play. But you got to keep your kids motivated to say, you know, we want to make the NCAA tournament. We want to make the NCAA tournament. That's going to be a big
2: thing. Sure. Pat, let's jump into some basketball. DePaul. So you used to coach DePaul, did a great job at DePaul. And uh, they seem like the program kind of with their new coach has taken a positive step forward. Uh, it's still early, and they still didn't really get into the Big East uh, schedule, which is going to be a lot harder than their non-conference schedule, but uh, are, do you see positive things happening with DePaul?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, they just, they after we left, uh, you know, we were in the top of the league when I was there. Uh, when we left, they, they went to the bottom of the league for, oh, I want to say maybe seven or eight straight years, which is a shame. The athletic director had been someone who's been there forever, Jeannie Poncetta. It just didn't work out, and it really crashed, and they had to let Jeannie go. They had to let Dave Leto go. So they did something that some schools, do They just cleaned house. And uh, the new head coach is a guy that's been around for a long time. He was Dana Altman's assistant at Oregon. Uh, he was known as an excellent recruiter and a good X and O guy, et cetera. Uh, so DePaul went out and did what they had to do. They hired a good head coach. He's hired a good staff. They reorganize their schedule, and now they're competitive. And and DePaul, believe me, we were there for five years. DePaul needs to be competitive. Chicago is a great city. It's a great college basketball city. So I'm so excited that DePaul is finally back in the mix. And they'll be competitive now, but because of the portal and the fact that you can get so many different uh, kids out of the portal Uh, the the new head coach was a big-time recruiter uh, when he was at, obviously, a place like Oregon. He knows a lot of these kids. So I see DePaul as being a major factor in the next few years.
2: Wow, that's great. So let's go to another school you coached. Uh, Looks like a little bit of a slow start for Florida State. Now, they had a lot of guys go pro in the last few years. Guys, had they stayed uh, as juniors and seniors, Florida State would have been great. Uh, But so far... Uh, the whole ACC is down this year, including Florida State. What are you seeing with the Florida State?
0: Well, they, you know, they, uh, Leonard's done a great job of recruiting big guys. He always has a front line of guys who are seven feet, seven one, or six eight, six nine. Uh, guard play is huge in that league. I coached in the ACC for nine years. If your guards aren't good, you're you're definitely in trouble. So I think that uh, as your guards come around in the second half of the season. I think they'll be all right. Now you got to also remember, Leonard is seventy-two, seventy-three. He's been here a long time. He's had a great run. Um, and when you get to that point, it's just—it's even like with Rick, as good as he's done with DePaul, with Iona. Excuse me, and will do. At some point in time, it's—it's it's inevitable that guys of that age are going to retire and step aside. So the big thing for the athletic directors and the, the colleges and universities: Who do we get to replace Leonard Hamilton? Who do we get to replace Rick Pitino? Not that the fans want to hear that, but ultimately that's what the administration is assigned to do. How do we replace guys that are that good and continue our programs being positive?
2: Right. Well, we just saw that, right, at a school uh, you battled against, North Carolina, right? The great Roy Williams with his three championship rings with the North Carolina Tar Heels, retires, kind of in a surprise. It seemed like it was a bit of a surprise to, to folks down in, Chapel Hill, uh, but they brought in Hubert Davis, the, uh, a great Tar Heel and a great Nick, and someone who had experienced all over the college basketball world. I have a lot of faith that he's going to do a good job, but even he's seeing some growing pains showing up this year as the new coach of the Tar Heels.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I, I coach against Hubert. Uh, Hubert Davis is a wonderful guy. I think he'll do a great job. But again, it's like, who's ever replaced Louis Karnaseka? No one. St. John's has never replaced Luke Karnaseka. Did Florida State football ever replace Bobby Bowden? The answer is, no, they haven't. So the thing it's like John Thompson Sr., has Georgetown really replaced him? It's hard to replace legends who are not just legends by terms of being a legend, but guys who can really coach and really recruit and really build a program. So it's a combination of all of those things put together that you have to be able to execute. Uh, and, quite frankly, it's just not as easy as people think it is. And so it happens over a period of time. It takes a while to replace these guys.
2: That's for sure. All right, let's go to a game. Uh, you mentioned earlier Iona's game last week against Delaware. Uh, I, on the show last week, Pat, I said uh, that Delaware was no easy game for Iona. They have older, experienced team. They were 9-3 and three coming into the game. Uh, I thought it was a very impressive Performance by Iona, they end up winning against the Delaware Blue Hens, 83-72. Uh, to 72. They got down 13-2 to two to start the game. That was kind of difficult to watch. They were down 39-32 at the half, but they outscored Delaware by 18 with a very strong second half. Um, I thought, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, uh, you're you the coach, you'll tell me if I'm correct, but what I noticed in the second half where they made the big comeback it seemed like their aggressive defense uh, led to more productive offense. What do you think, Coach?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know the great thing about having a guy like Rick, as Rick Pitino as your coach, he's been through enough games to know that you know you get up, you know you get behind, you got to recover, you got to make adjustments. So Rick knows how to make adjustments in college basketball as well as any coach uh, in the country. And so what he had to do in the second half was make certain adjustments. It came back, as you said, a terrible start, down thirteen to two. But he showed obviously his own coaching experience. But I love the fact that the kids responded to it. I thought the kids did an incredible job responding to uh, what Rick wanted to get done in the second half. And in doing so, what they do, they end up winning the game. So, uh, so very, very good stuff.
2: It was. Now, I guess the thing that. Certainly had me smiling as a fan, uh, but I imagine uh, it made Coach Patino happy, too, was that one of his recruits, uh, Walter Clayton, had an enormous game, 21 points. He shot 8 for 11 from the field, Pat. He shot 4 for f- 5 from 3. I mean, really an incredible uh, performance by a freshman in a, in a tough moment. His team was down, and a freshman kind of led them in the comeback that must be some feeling, Coach, to have a freshman step up like that.
0: Well, he, I'll tell you what, he's terrific. I mean, Joseph is a terrific inside player, but when I watched their games early on, I said this kid, Clayton, is very, very special. Maybe more special than Joseph, believe it or not, down the stretch. But those two guys in particular, when you have a great guard and you have a really good inside player in a, in a, in a league like the Mac, it means you can be dominant. But that that youngster... Uh he's 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 special. He can get to the rim, he can shoot it, he can shoot off the bounce, he can shoot off the catch. Uh, he plays really hard, he makes plays, he makes steals. Uh so I, I really like him. I know where they got him from. But he is a very exceptional player.
2: Well interesting. I don't know if you know this coach. He had offers for both football and basketball for recruiting. He was a football player too. As a matter of fact, Coach Patino says he thought he thought he thought that helped him. As a basketball player, to also have been a football player because he, like you just mentioned, how aggressive he is. You know, maybe some of that comes from his football background.
0: Where's he from? Florida. Wow. Yeah, that's so incredible.
2: Some recruit for well, that's Coach
0: Patera. You I remember, all these kids have connections to Florida. Who was the guy that was in Florida and had a chance to recruit these kids? Tommy Batamarco.
2: Oh, that's right. Tommy
0: was he sits the Florida Gulf Coast. He then was out of, out of the business for a year, had a year to go ahead and look at these kids. So all these Florida kids have done an incredible job. You, you've got to give Tommy Batamarco a tremendous amount of credit uh, for the success that they're having. Rick knows that. And guys in the business, though, as well. Tommy Batamarco is an incredible recruiter. And these kids that you see they are from Florida give credit. To Tommy Benamarko.
2: All right, very good point, Coach. Uh, all right, so nice win for the Gales versus Delaware. Uh, they're 10-2, and two, and this Friday, we hope, Pat, we hope that they're going to play Siena this, this Friday, December 31st, on New Year's Eve at 1 p.m. Uh, that'll be a fun game because even though Siena's in a bit of a down year, that's a rivalry. Both teams will play great.
0: Yeah, I, I've seen uh, Siena in person when they played Holy Cross, They're a very good quality team. They're getting better with every game. They're well coached. They've got some transfers, some big kids that can score the ball. So that'll be a good contest. I've also seen Fairfield uh, uh, up up close and personal. Uh, They're a pretty good team. But overall, I still think Iona uh, is is the best team in that league. As long as they stay injury-free, I think they're going to be the team to beat.
2: I agree, Pat. All right, Pat, as usual, great job. We're so appreciative that you call every other week to the show and give us such great insights from a coaching perspective. Uh, You're a big part of the show, Pat, so thank you.
0: My pleasure, guys. Great being with you, and great to be able to talk to folks in your show.
2: Sounds great. All right, thank you, Pat Kennedy. Folks, there's the music. We're going to our commercial break. We come back, we got Jaden Daly talk about his recent report uh, so far on the MAC conference. Be right back, folks, on WVOX.
0: this holiday season, WVOX Worldwide.
2: 1460 WVOX They're playing basketball We love that basketball They're playing basketball Okay, folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat. I'm your host, Jim Massano. We're here every Monday night from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock on WBOX, 1460 AM. Great radio station here in New Rochelle, New York, right down the street from Iona College, who is a member of the MAC Conference. So kind of in perfect timing, I saw on Twitter that my friend Jaden Daly, uh, who has a website called The Daily Dose of Hoops, uh, did a full report of the entire MAC Conference in tremendous detail uh, that you could, if you're a fan of the MAC, you should be reading Jaden Daly, and he's on the line right now. Good evening, Jaden. How you doing?
3: Jim, you, you're way too kind, and after a month since we've last seen each other, I had to come on when you asked. Thank you so much for having me. How was your Christmas, man?
2: It was great. I went down to Florida. Uh, my, I spent some time with my brother-in-law. Sadly, my sister passed in last year, so we went down uh, and visited my brother-in-law and also my brother uh, down there as well, so two parts of our family, and we had a really nice uh, time down there. And it was seventy like five every day and sunny, so not so bad. Jayden,
3: oh, absolutely not. And my condolences on your loss, by the way.
2: Yes, it was tough, but uh, we were there. We all were together as a family celebrating the holiday, and uh, you know that's the best you could do, right, Jayden?
3: Absolutely, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Sure. Uh, how about your Christmas? Yeah, not, very low key. It really. Didn't... Do much, but it's, it's not really what you do, it's who you enjoy it with. And I, I, was, I was blessed to spend it with my mother. So,
2: so super, super, really good. Um, and it must be a little frustrating for someone like you who is a total college basketball maniac who watches as many games as anyone. Uh, not only did you have a, like kind of almost four days off from college basketball, but even in the days prior uh, to the kind of Christmas break they had, there were so many cancellations, it was really frustrating.
3: Yeah, I know. I've already lost a couple of games between Seton Hall and Iona at the Garden, and then Seton Hall two days later against St. John's. St. John's just postponed its next two Big East games against Marquette and Georgetown. Marquette, the Marquette game was at home on Wednesday, so I'm not covering anything until Friday afternoon when I'll be at the Heinz Center for Iona and Siena. It's, it's a little different, you know. Having an extended break between Christmas and New Year's normally, there's something on like the 28th or the 29th. So that's, it's going to be interesting.
2: I agree. I will be there also as well. As a matter of fact, get to meet my son if they have the game and not too many people get COVID on those two teams, Iona and Sienna by Friday. Uh, my son's going to come with me. He's home from college. He's a South Carolina Gamecock. Uh, so we'll be there on Friday. Hopefully the game will happen. But at this point, it's hard to like assume any game is actually going to happen, Jayden.
3: Yeah, you know what, Jim? It's, it's actually in Casey Stanley, one of the assistant coaches on Rick Petino's staff, tweeted earlier today that it's starting to feel like March 2020 and rightfully so. I think actually it's, it feels almost more ominous than it did 21 months ago where now you're getting games that are postponed at a higher rate. And the chances of of making them up in some conferences. I looked at I looked at St. John's trying to make up the Marquette and Georgetown games, and with all the conflicts and the the odd number of teams in the Big East, the number of chances you have with different bye weeks and different travel patterns, it, it's it's going to be hectic.
2: And you have experts out there uh, saying that. Omicron's going to keep uh, rolling along through our society and infecting a lot of people over the next month, which means there may be more cancellations.
3: Yeah, I definitely think there will there will be a lot more, almost as much as there was in the non-conference last season, where it was scrapped in a lot of lower and mid-major leagues. I I, I think, don't be surprised if you see leads like the MAC and the America East potentially going back to the back-to-back format like last season if it gets crazy and and too far out of hand.
2: That's a good point. So, uh, well, let's hope, uh, you might have noticed I tweeted a bunch of things uh, right before the show, how the ACC stepped forward, modified their protocols uh, to have less cancellations, uh, and I thought that was great for the sport, and I think a lot of other conferences now will... Mimic what the ACC did, and I think that's going to somewhat save the season, Jaden.
3: I think so too. And the ACC did that in the wake of its two biggest powerhouses having COVID issues. Duke has had a positive test and had to postpone two games. I think it was Clemson and Notre Dame, and North Carolina lost the game. With it was either Georgia Tech or Boston College, I can't remember, but. UNC was a victim of circumstance. The positive test was not in Chapel Hill. But either way, Jim, it's just getting to be almost to the point of no return.
2: I agree. All right. So let's go to your excellent report on the MAC. Folks, I'm going to say it again. If you follow the MAC conference and you want to know what's going on here in late December, go to a, give them your, your website, Jane.
3: Go to Daily Dose of Hoops. You, you'd Google me, Daily Dose of Hoops, D-A-L-Y, my last name. It'll be the first thing that pops up. We're also also on Twitter. You mentioned the Mac Monday column. It's, it's a weekly wrap-up of Mac-focused content, stat leaders, rankings, with the conference season starting back up again. This week was team capsules and just a roundup of what everybody has done. I usually try to spotlight a team or two every week. But if you're looking for good MAC content, you know where to go.
2: That's for sure. You're the best uh, covering the overall MAC conference, without a doubt. All right. So you have your power rankings up, and Iona is number one. And I, I happen to think it's kind of clear that Iona right now is the best team in the MAC. That doesn't mean they're going to win every game in the MAC, because uh, it's very difficult for a team to win all their conference games. So I've seen some Iona fans think that. Uh, I, I, you know, they're going to have a bad night. They're not going to shoot well one night. The other team's going to shoot really well, have a big night. Uh, You have COVID going on, so you might have to go into a game with only seven scholarship players. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, at the end of the regular season, Iona will have the best record in the MAC.
3: I th- I think it's almost impossible not to suggest that when you look at the body of work that Iona's had. Obviously, the Alabama win is the attention grabber and the headline stealer, but every win almost has been different for Iona. You have the shootout against Harvard. You have the comeback against Liberty against Marist. You have games where the Gales have just flat out dominated, like against Ryder or games like the Delaware game at UBS arena, where somebody comes alive in the second half. It was Walter Clayton Jr. who did that on Tuesday night. So, this Iona team has demonstrated it can win in a number of different ways, and I think that's only going to serve this group well as we get into January, into February, and even into the early part of March.
2: So the thing that I'm impressed with, Iona, and I shouldn't be surprised by this because the coach is Rick Pitino and he's a Hall of Fame coach, but you have the guys that came back who were in the rotation like a Nelly Junior Joseph, like a Dylan uh, Van Eyck, you know, guys that... Uh, kind of proved last year how important they were to the team. But, you know, they bring in Quinn Slazinski from Louisville, and they bring in Tyson Jolly from SMU, uh, and Elijah Joyner from Tulsa. And they just kind of worked right into it. They're playing so well in the system. The transition uh, was pretty quick for those guys. They're playing very well in Rick Pitino's system. I actually thought those three transfers and Walter Clayton, uh, their best freshman recruit, would take longer to adapt the Patino system, but I happen to think they're doing pretty well
3: I do too i I thought that Iona would have a hard time in the non conference obviously, I was very wrong and pleasantly surprised by how much easier the transition had been and how fa- how much faster they got acclimated to what Iona intends to run so going through a non-conference schedule and going 8-2 and and winning two league games on top of that to go into the Siena game Friday with, with a 10-2 and record. That speaks volumes for what Petito has been able to do in a short period of time. The big key, though, Jim, unlike last season, he hasn't had COVID shutdowns to navigate with this group, giving him more time to really implement all the schematic differences that he wanted on last year but couldn't just because of circumstances beyond his control. Iona this season is is ready and probably more fortunate than it was at this point 10, 11 months ago.
2: I agree. All right, so let's switch to another team that you covered in your report uh, on Mac Monday because they're going to be hopefully in the Rochelle on Friday. Uh, Sienna, tell us about the Sienna team, what challenges they pose for Iona.
3: Well, Sienna is a lot like Iona with a lot of transfers, Carmen Massarello wants to play faster than he had the last couple of seasons. I'm, I'm intrigued by how the Saints look. I haven't seen them in person or on film yet. I do know Jackson Stormo is going to be a big part of the offense down low, Aiden Carpenter at the point, And Anthony Gaines, the Northwestern transfer, is probably one of the better athletes in the MAC. I'm concerned with the youth. JV and McCollum and Jared Bills, two freshmen, have have been in and out of the lineup. This team hasn't stayed healthy all season. That's another concern that I'm interested to see how Siena handles on Friday. I think it's a challenge. You should never count Siena out, especially the last couple of years. I agree. But,
2: I agree. All right. Um, let me switch to the other team because we're running out of time while we have you. Monmouth. Mm-hmm. Monmouth is, to me, the second best team in the conference. You believe they're the second best team in a conference. How close do you think Monmouth is to Iona?
3: Very close. I think on some nights Monmouth even looks better than Iona. It depends on the matchup. The difference between this year's Monmouth team and some of the other iterations of years past, King Rice has shortened the rotation and he's gone with a more experienced lineup. He usually goes 10, 11, 12 deep at times. He's playing a strict eight man rotation with a lot more experience. Walker Miller is using his size to his advantage and no Mac team has been able to effectively guard 6'11", back to the basket center, who has already moved into the top five in scoring in the conference. And Shavar Reynolds, who we all know from his days at Seton Hall, has taken his opportunity and run with it also. And you add in a George Pappas, you add in a Marcus McClary, you add in an E.K. Ruddy, who is probably one of the most underrated role players in the conference. Monmouth has an eight-man rotation, but it's a deep eight-man rotation, and this group can go 40 minutes with for just about anybody. They're only 13, their three losses have come by a grand total of 13 points, Jim. If not for those three losses, they'd be sitting here 13-0 and and possibly getting some votes in the top 25. They're really good.
2: I agree. I agree, and um, I think, uh, folks, if you're listening right now and uh, you're an Iona fan, you live in the, the New Rochelle area, you want to get to Monmouth at Iona, right, uh, Jaden?
3: Absolutely, Jim, and even in New Jersey January 9th.
2: All yeah. right, sounds good. Jaden, there's the music, so another great job on the show. Thank you for being such a friend to our show. Every time I call you, you help me, so keep up the great work, and we'll keep supporting each other. How about that?
1: Always, Jim.
3: You too. My pleasure. Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year, Jayden Daly. All right, folks, we're going to the commercial break. Be right back.
0: radio home for the holidays. There's
3: no place
0: like home. WVOX Worldwide.
2: 1460 WVOX. They're playing
0: basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing
2: basketball. All right, folks, we're back on College Hoops Chat. I'm your host, Jim Maysano. And I do want to point out, uh, when I was closing with Jaden, we mentioned uh, that two of the hot games this year in the MAC conference will be Iona against Monmouth. So let me give you those dates. Uh, the first game between Iona and Monmouth, basically the consensus, two best teams in the MAC right now. January 9th, Sunday at Monmouth at 2 p.m. That's down in Jersey, not too far of a drive. And then uh, they're coming to New Rochelle on February 13th, Sunday, 1 p.m. at Iona, Monmouth at Iona. So you might want to mark your calendar uh, to either go to those games or actually watch them on TV. But uh, those should be terrific basketball games. Uh, so let me go to the phone line because we have our number one caller, Kenny from Rye. Kenny, are you there? James, how are we doing? I'm doing great. So uh, you listened to the whole show, I'm sure. Uh, what are you thinking about in the college basketball scene?
1: I did. I listened to the coach. You know, it was interesting. The one thing I thought about was and what I would have been interested to ask him in his history of this, will all this stop, start, Coaches and players are kind of, a, you know, they like patterns. And when you're playing two games a week, you know, the coaches do the same thing. They practice a certain way, prep for the next team, they have the game, and then they move on, and the next thing again, practice, prep for the next team. This, when you've had a big, big layoff, whether it's Patino or anything, you're going to have to practice a lot differently from the standpoint of trying to recreate a little bit more sense of urgency. But when you've had five, 10, 15 days off, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens and how these teams come out of these you know, long breaks. I agree. Well, look at, look at uh, St. John's. They may not play for
2: three weeks. That's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. incredible. They got four games canceled in the last week. I mean, it's unbelievable. Four games, Kenny. Not one. Four. I mean, I only got one against Seton Hall, but they're hanging in there with just one cancellation. But, you know, St. John's lost one December 20th. Seton Hall, December 23rd. Butler. December 29th, Marquette, and January 1st, Georgetown. That's brutal for St. John's' schedule.
1: Yeah, and if you take that from a perspective of, and you know, you and I have talked about this a lot, you know, coaches think about it coming into league play. Like, you know, there's a magic number, let's be honest. For the Power 5 conference, there's a magic number to get into the NCAA. It's, let's say, 21 games, right? That kind of gets you in if you're in the Power 5 conference. Now that you've missed that many games, does it turn into a situation where they have to, you know, the NCAA has to look at winning percentage? So is your winning percentage matter more than the number of games? Because you could have three or four games less than somebody else actually in the same conference. And I think that'll be interesting to see. I'm also skeptical of, about the makeup games. I'm not sure they're going to get these many games in, uh, in particular, because I don't think the administration and a lot of these schools are going to allow these kids to play, you know, three, four games a week. Cause, you know, that's always a pushback from, you know, time away from campus, time away from school, out of you know, out of class, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Well, they may allow three, but they're not going to allow four. I agree with you <laughs> on that. Uh, last year, I'll tell you an interesting thing Rick Petino said in one of his press conferences. Uh, and that was particularly late in the season. He said he didn't mind playing uh, three times a week because it uh, kind of gets the team ready uh, for the conference tournament. I thought that was an interesting point. So maybe you can get three games a
1: week, but... You're not going to get four. You're right. Yeah. I think also it was a little different last year, because if I remember correctly from the max situation, which I thought they did a very good job for a, a league that had a lot of issues of schools, that were you know, programs that were shut down, turned back on, et cetera, that they played back to back. And that's kind of interesting. It's almost an NBA situation from a standpoint, when you have a team that travels far, say hypothetically, the Lakers or the, or the Clippers, when they come East, they play the Knicks one night and then they play the, the Nets the other night. So, does that become a situation if some teams, you know, start to miss four, five, six games? Because, again, I, I'm very skeptical of whether they're going to let them play twice during the middle of the week or during the school week.
2: Interesting. We'll, we'll have to see. Now, the one thing Jaden said, which I thought was interesting, well, uh, and it kind of ties into what you just said, which is they may have to go back into the schedule. And revise it like they did last year. That's how the MAC ended up with those back-to-back Friday-Saturday matchups. Um, uh, that's a, that's a, kind of a chilling proposition that we might get back to that kind of situation. But I don't think it's off the table. I, th- I think it's actually
1: a great idea. If you, refer- if you think about, you know, let's let's use the Big East. You know, we have kind of two different Big Easts. We have the group in the East, and we have the group in the Midwest. So let's take the Paul. They're in Chicago if you have to pull and you have got a situation where you've been shut down and you have a sat, you have a saturday game or a sunday game we'll bring them out you know the day before the day and have them stay the day after and play back to back to get it out of the way because the fact is again traveling and all the other situations that take you know that take into account that you can you can satisfy all those situations very quickly with that uh, to get it over with and then possibly reschedule some of the other games that are whether they're home games or not but it does make it easy when you have to travel like that in particular.
2: I agree. It's, it, listen, this is becoming, unfortunately, um, a confusing season. Last, last year, the whole season was confusing from beginning to end. You kind of never knew what was going to happen. Shutdowns were happening all over the place. Uh, it was very difficult. No fans in the, in the, in the arenas. A, a strange year. This year started so great. This November and December, which is great months for college basketball, teams uh, beefed up their non-conference schedules this year. There's been some tremendous basketball to watch. I've been having a ball watching these games, uh, and now here we are in late December with the shutdowns like last year. Here you and I discussing how are these teams going to be able to play their schedule, how they're going to do
1: makeups. It's kind of a bummer, I have to tell you. Well, this this is the time where, you know, we've talked about it a number of times where the teams kind of develop their scars. You know, they go to in-conference, whether it's the ACC or the SEC or, their, you know, the Big East or the MAC. This is where there's toughness built in. You know, Mamas is not afraid of Iona College, and you know, so that they come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And this is where you kind of develop your toughness. And, you know, at a conference is you have your kind of set-up games and then you have your kind of show games, like Iona missed out on Seton Hall. But from a perspective of where you build your resume, it's in conference. And if there's too many of these games canceled, it's going to be a big problem for teams that are kind of on the bubble, you know, as we mentioned.
2: I agree. I agree. And uh, so if Iona loses to Monmouth in the MAC Conference Finals, just suppose, uh, you know, Iona losing that Seton Hall game could make a real difference on getting that large bid. Had they beaten Seaton Hall and Alabama? Iona would have gotten a at large bid, no problem, to the NCAA tournament.
1: Absolutely, and that's what I think Patino built his schedule off of. Right? I think he's mentioned it a number of times. He's not trying to hide that fact. Is that he? Not only does he want to get Mac more Mac teams in, but he also wants to get a situation where whether it's him or another team that they're seeded better than you know the, the last two or three in, or play the you know the play the play in games. And so I think, as you were saying, Iona's resume, if they beat if they had beaten Seton Hall and had beaten Alabama and then you know came down to and say they lost into the finals of the MAC conference, he doesn't want to be left out of the situation. But right now, missing that Seton Hall game is a problem for Iona. I agree. So folks that's
2: a very important point from Kenny from Rye. That so when Rick Petino and his staff put together this schedule, they were thinking two things when they put the schedule together. Number one, they were thinking if we don't win the conference tournament, can we have a schedule that can still get us in the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid? But the other thing Kenny just said, which I think is so important, was if, we, if Iona makes the NCAA tournament, they don't want to be a 15 or a 16 seed because you have to play one of the four or eight best teams in America. They want to get in as a 12 or a 13th seed. That way it's a very winnable opening game in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That's what they were thinking about, because I want to put together a pretty tough schedule. Not, there's no cupcakes on a college schedule. They're playing pretty good mid-major teams, uh, including Alabama and Seton Hall on the schedule, So, and Kansas, by the way, in their tournament. So uh, they, they put a lot of detail into this schedule, and now COVID is playing havoc with it.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting also because, you know, Rick has mentioned he. He set it up so that they went to Florida for basically for, you know, was it, 10 days, and he knew the schedule could be loaded up. It was a little bit different because there were some upsets in those, in those tournaments. But from a perspective of them building their resume outside of the metro area, I think he did a great job. So we'll have to see how that plays out for him, but he did a wonderful job of that. And now that he's into the MAC, hopefully they'll be able to complete their season and then get down to the conference finals, and we'll see, you know, hopefully maybe – Possibly a couple of teams get into the NCAs. I agree. So, Kenny
2: from Rye, will you be celebrating uh, New Year's Eve with me, watching Iona play Seton Hall on
1: Friday, one o'clock on Friday? I hope the game's still open to to fans. I, ho-
2: I hope it's still open to fans. I hope it happens, and I'm planning on bringing my son so we can hang out.
1: Good to hear. Good to hear. I think it will be a great game, and it, again, it's a, it's a tip off to the MAC conference, and I think that's important. And you know, as I say, everybody comes in. And Iona has to get used to this. Everybody comes in looking at this as one of their biggest games of the year, particularly in conference, and Iona has to get used to that. That's a great point, you know. And I keep telling people,
2: as great as Iona's season has been to date, which is a 10-2 and record through a, a difficult non-conference schedule, uh, don't expect them to go through uh, the MAC conference games and win every game. It's not going to happen. Iona's going to have a bad night. The other team's all of a sudden going to get hot. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen, Kenny. So it's going to still be a very exciting max season for Iona.
1: All right, James. I think I agree with you, and we'll
2: see you on Friday at 1 o'clock. All right, Kenny Varite, thank you for the call. As always, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the show. Thanks for being part of College Hoop Chat. We'll talk to you next Monday night at 8 o'clock. Have a great week, everybody. Happy New Year!
1: From AM
0: 1460.